0: Hello, and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. This is episode 26 for March 31st, 2020. First, it's really great to be back. I have been absent from these airwaves for quite some time, but we're going to make up for that with a great show today. And I'm going to start that out with two great guests, and I want to introduce them to you now. First up, Mr. Jeff Bishop, who is a program manager in the Microsoft Windows accessibility team. Hey, Jeff.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Glad to have you with us. And Joy Diaz, who is producer, reporter, and sometimes fill-in host at Texas Standard, a statewide daily public radio news show. I know something about that, too, because I work there as my day job as well, so Joy is my colleague. Hello, Joy. Welcome.
2: Hey, Shelly. Hey, Jeff. It's so so good to be with you all.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining me, both of you. I, I wanted to get us all together because the thing that we three have in common is that we're people who are now working at home because of the corona pandemic. But we don't normally do that. We work in offices. And I want to sort of find out what, at least in in my case, and I guess in Joy's case, too, has been a couple of weeks. I don't know about you, Jeff. We'll talk to you about that in a second. But it's been a couple of weeks of not working the way that we normally do. And right. so I want to talk about what that's like in our lives. Maybe we'll get into tech a little bit. But uh, even though this is a tech podcast, I'm not super worried about uh, us delving into tech. But 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 we'll find our way there. Well, tech is everywhere, right? It is everywhere. So I want to start by asking each of you what your sort of pre-pandemic work life, work routine was like. Joy, how about you?
2: Sure. Um, So first of all, uh, for those of you who are not listening in Texas, we have a supermarket called HEB and HEB opens at 6 a.m. So my daily routine started with... 6 a.m. grocery shopping and because I have to be at work before 730 so I would grab a few groceries drop them off head out to work but now even grocery shopping is disrupted right it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle a puzzle that you put together in different ways every day because the pieces keep Shifting in your hands, or something. I don't know. It's a bizarre experience. But from what I used to do, which was, you know, get everything ready for the kids who would later go to school and then head out to the office. I am a radio reporter, so I did get out of the office a lot um, to go get like the best quality sounding uh, interviews. But all of that has come to a halt. But yet we still have to school the children and we still have to produce a one hour daily radio show. So it's been a lot of adjustment.
0: And just to let everybody know, you have a couple of young kids, elementary yes, school. Yes. Right? Is,
2: one is elementary and one is middle school.
0: Yes. Okay. So, Jeff, how about you? How's your routine? Your kids are older, so I guess you're not having to worry about getting them off to
1: school. No, I don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, as Shelly said, I, I work uh, at Microsoft on the Windows accessibility team and my day normally would start with you know getting up pretty early. We use a a rideshare service here called Scoop which allows us to sort of partner with people who are going you know to Microsoft or to businesses that are close by and we can you know ride pretty inexpensively to work. And then we get to work and and we work in offices, but we're constantly talking with each other and collaborating and, and mm-hmm. having meetings. So we've really had to shift, and, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, that's really changed a significant amount of what we do as, you know, as far as getting work done. You know, now that we're all working from home, and yeah. it's interesting to see how the dynamic in person how it differs when you're doing it from home, because there is a difference and it's harder.
0: Absolutely. So you're in Kirkland, Washington, which is very near one of the earliest epicenters of coronavirus. So how long have you been working at home? Maybe you've been working home at a little longer than, than join I have.
1: Yeah, we've been doing it for just about a month now.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So we've been doing this for a while and it looks like we're going to be doing it for quite a bit longer. I think that's my guess. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. But what I will say is that the leadership from the very, very top of Microsoft to, you know, my manager has been just amazing about putting people first mm-hmm. at, at, about everything, really, uh, your, your mental health and your family doing whatever it takes to make sure that you're safe and just keeping your, your spirit up, uh, and, and work, you know sure it's important but it's almost something secondary to just making sure you're safe and and i'm not sure i'm saying it exactly the way that leadership would would say it but i think the the important thing here is to say that that they're really putting the human factor above anything else right now which is just amazing to hear wow
0: And did they get you set up the way you needed to be set up? And you're a fairly technical guy, Jeff. I'm sure you can take care of of yourself and it is a tech company. But when they said, we're going to move to working at home, how was that transition for you?
1: Well, I had to bring a bunch of equipment home. You know, we have (laughs) multiple devices because we're testing lots of different things. And so I've had to go to the office a couple of times to get some help with some things. But Overall, I've had everything that I would need. I have pretty high speed internet because of a lot of the work that I do outside of work. So that wasn't that much of a problem for me personally. It has been for, for some others. And so that has made meetings rather interesting in that you know we're not all necessarily using video in our in our meetings. And so that has brought up some very interesting accessibility you know, learning opportunities for really everyone, which is awesome.
0: Oh, I bet. I I want to explore that in a second because I'm really interested in it. But Joy, tell us about your transition to working at home. And for for us in, in Austin, it's been a couple of weeks. But were you prepared when you were told, hey, from now on, you're not going into the office. You're going to be working at home and out in the field when you need to.
2: Well, the interesting thing for me, Shelley, is that I think if I could just backtrack a little, You know, I've been a radio reporter since 2005 in Austin, since 2005. But when I had my first child in 2008, that's exactly... Well, my daughter was born December of 2007. So that was the year the iPhone was born. And I stayed away from the radio waves for four years. So when I came back and I could see reporters recording audio in their phones... Taking notes on their phones, um, making short videos on their phones, all these kinds of things. It made me want to catch up really quickly. And when I came back to work, I came back with two children, you know? So, fortunately for me, my uh, management has always been like, hey, if the kids are sick and you need to stay home, that's fine, you can work from home. So I have been eased into this mode. Even though we're doing it now full-time for the last two years, I've been doing it on and off for the last several years. And so it wasn't a hard transition for me, but if I had to do it like this all the time, I don't know. The thing for me that is the hardest Basically, unlike Jeff, I've only had to go to the office once, and that was to pick up one cable. Other than that, I have pretty much everything I need at home. But the the thing for me that is the hardest is that I am a social flower. I need people to survive. And that is the hardest for me. Equipment-wise, I've been equipped for the last few years. I've been easing my way into working from home. But um, the people not having the people around is the hardest.
1: I agree.
0: I was so surprised at how valuable even an hour video Zoom conference is. And I'm somebody with low vision and I don't, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about looking into people's faces, but seeing my team for an hour every day really brings a lift to my day. Doesn't it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, you said that you agreed. I wonder. Yeah,
1: if- I, I really do. I mean, it's getting harder. I commented to my colleagues late this week that that you know this is getting harder and harder to work mm. from home because yeah. you miss you miss being around people. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: our team is a really close team. You know, I can really consider them you know an extended family, and and it's uh, it's really hard when you don't see them. And sure, you hear their voices and and all of that. But there's something different about being at the office and sitting around a conference table or going to lunch and just Mm -hmm. talking, you know, and being Mm -hmm. around those people that you work with every day and that you work really hard with to be able to accomplish, you know, really great things. So it's getting harder and harder. And so as this goes on, it's really going to become imperative to to make sure that you're taking care of your mental state yes. of things, you know, and doing those things that, that you need to do for yourself. And we talk a lot about that at work. We have water cooler sessions now twice a week where, you know, we'll, we'll meet for a half an hour and we'll just talk about mm. whatever we want to talk about. and And we don't necessarily talk about work. Sometimes it creeps in, but we try not to do that. We try to talk about those things wow. that are happening in our lives. And and we're doing things like, you know, um, meeting at lunch hour, you know, whatever that might be for, for people because people's hours fluctuate. But at noon, <laughs> we have an hour set aside where people are cooking, you know, you know their own lunch at home and we're eating together, but we're not together. And we're doing stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's helping, but it still is getting harder and harder to to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The bank is depleting.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is.
0: So, Joya, a part of your job is going out and meeting people and interviewing them. and And one of the things that Joy does on our show is profile individuals, which is often a very intimate thing where you go and you ask somebody, tell me a story about yourself and about your life. So how has what you've been able to do in that kind of work changed?
2: Well, I've been doing them over the phone now, and that, you know, first I was really upset about the quality of the audio, but at the same time, because people are alone, they the conversations are turning a little intimate and personal. Um, today, I am interviewing a husband and wife team. She is a doctor. Um, she is she specializes in older patients. Uh, geriatric patients and he is a psychologist so imagine the load that both of them are carrying and at the same time they have two young children and so you know how do you how can you be like the best parent the best doctor when both of you have such heavy loads both at home and at work and that's one of the things that I'm going to talk to them about and in the pre-interview they were so candid that it almost feels like the the fuzziness of the sound or whatever is not going to be an obstacle. Um, One of the things um, that I do miss is that face-to-face. But I feel like the quality of the stories that we're producing is so good. And my husband said something to me recently that I thought was really valuable. Um, He's never been very interested in my work. I guess a lot of spouses are not interested in each other's work because that's just the nature of marriage, I guess. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, we I work for public radio. Shelley and I work for public radio in our day jobs and public radio is part of a model where we are sustained by donations. And obviously with so many people losing jobs and stuff, our our donations are dropping. But um my husband said something to me recently. He said, "I will donate to your station for the first time because whatever you guys are doing is very necessary." And it warm my heart. I mean, I'm even tearing up because it's like what we do matters.
0: It does, and I actually think that we've been putting we've been putting together some really great shows over the past couple weeks in, in in stressful situations and I'm surprised me. Yeah. And I get to listen to the show now more than I normally would because I can have a speaker going on in my room, in my office while I'm working, which I couldn't do at work. And so I think I'm more in touch with the show, but I also just feel like and tell me if you agree that we're we're kind of getting it because maybe because we're in a situation similar to some of the people that we're talking to and about. We're kind of all all, this all this together. It sounds like a cliche, but there's a lot to it.
2: There are so many cliches that are so applicable today. You know, we will make it out of this. We will be changed, but we will make it all of those things that we always say, but that are truer now than they ever have been. Um, And and you're right, the fact that everybody is feeling the same thing to different degrees, obviously, because we're still getting a paycheck when a lot of people are not getting a paycheck or we haven't lost relatives when a lot of people have lost relatives. So to some degree, we are all feeling the same thing. um, And I don't want to, you know, come across as aloof But um, to some degree, we're all experiencing the same thing. So when we say we will come out of this, we really mean it. It's not like, you know, (laughs) like it's a it's not a nicety. It's it's a we mean it.
0: Jeff, you talked before about how your employer is supporting you in terms of your your mental health and, and coping. Can you talk about some of the ways they've been doing that?
1: Sure. You know, they they've encouraged us to do whatever it takes for for us and to make sure that if you need a break or you need kid time, you know, because you've got a lot of people who have young children at home and you know, they're not going to school, right? Cause all the schools yeah. are shut down. So if you need to take an hour or two and do whatever you need to do with your family, then so be it. And don't worry about a nine to five job or, you know, if you have to work at six, six o'clock in the morning or late at night or even if you're not getting a full eight hours, I think it's probably you know an okay thing. One of the things that I try to do is go for walks in the morning and in the evening. So my wife and I will go for walks, and we try to walk about two to three miles each time, and it takes about an hour or so. And you know each time, and we find that really invaluable. It's interesting, you know, to uh, try to make sure to stay away from people. That's, that's always mm-hmm. a little intriguing. We live literally across the street from the Evergreen Kirkland uh, Hospital, which is kind of the epicenter of where a lot of these patients were taken that were at that nursing home. And wow. so that's a little scary to walk right by that hospital. But, you know, we, we don't see that many people. And when we do, they, they pretty much stay away from, from us or, or we try to stay away from them. You know to to keep social social distancing, you know, uh, in play, but and you know you it's just encouraging us to do what it takes for our own mental state and and for the safety and well being of our families and it's encouraged constantly. We we get email probably two to three times a week that talk about where things are as far as Microsoft's response and the Beginning of it it always talks about okay, you do you still doing what is important for you individually as well as for your family, and that's always the centerpiece of the communication.
2: That's a very big blessing. Yeah,
1: it's wonderful. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Takes away the guilt, right? Well, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
0: I'd love to hear what each of you think the impact has been on family life. Joey talked about the logistics of school and groceries and and the like. But uh, we all live with people, some more than others. But I'm just wondering what impact this has had on family life and if it's changed over, in our case, a couple of weeks. And Jeff, in your
1: case, it's been a month. Well, it's changed for me a little bit in that, you know, we're we're having to learn to respect each other's space a little bit. Uh, You know, just because I'm working from home doesn't mean that the rest of my family should just stop doing whatever they're doing because they're making noise, you know? (laughs) And, and so that's something that we're all trying to have to, to learn to work around. You know, sometimes I have meetings where, you know, I do need it a little bit quieter and always going to different rooms isn't a possibility because I need the space, you know, when I have, you know, two, two laptops going or, or whatever the case may be. So there's some of that, but, but on. And
0: your laptops are talking to you. Yes. Good yeah, and I time. have headphones. Yeah.
1: Two <laughs> pairs of headphones on and I use my iPhone to call into meetings. So there's, there's three, you know, so I'm using, I'm using, you know, earbuds of some kind and, and maybe one or two uh, pairs of headphones to be able to get audio because I try to re- make sure that a bunch of screen readers aren't talking with family all around, because that's that is pretty disruptive, you know, for mm-hmm. for them. But honestly, our family has actually done pretty well. You know, I I was a little worried about that with all the stress going on, and uh, all of us have in our family. Um, my my son lives with us here in Kirkland, and my wife is uh, is a, a breast cancer survivor and still getting treatment. You know, for for that. So her, she's got to be careful um, you know, with that. And so, so we're constantly just thinking about that and just worried about family. We have uh, my other son who lives in Tucson, and Tucson is now beginning to see a, a pretty major jump in the number of cases uh, of the virus. And so we're just constantly worried about him and, and other family members. But overall, it's been pretty good. But it it is starting to get more difficult, at least for me, just from a you know standpoint of just not seeing people and not having sort of a different feel for my work environment. You know, when you get up in the morning and you just take a few steps and you're sitting down at your dining room table and you just get to work, that just it's hard because you're not separating your home life from your work life as much. And that's where making sure you're taking care of yourself is so important.
0: This sounds really silly, but uh, when I get my coffee and breakfast done in the morning and I go to the, my home office to do my work, I actually kiss my husband goodbye. <laughs> I love saying. that. I love that. <laughs> just because it seems it's fun. No, it's, it's just awesome. Like, why not? I say I'll be home for lunch. <laughs> I love that. Joy, yeah. how about your family life with two uh, rambunctious kiddos and a husband all, all at home?
2: Yeah. Um, So again, I'm going to transport us a little while ago. um, 21 years ago, when we were getting married, and I was filling out the invitations, I asked my husband or my husband to be at that time, who from his family was coming to the wedding. And one, he said, you know, mom and dad, because they're divorced, and my brother and sister and their families, blah, blah, blah. But then he said, my aunt from the circus. And I was like, what? What? You have an aunt who is in a circus wow he's like yeah and so he told me the story she was a dancer she married she was in you know doing a tour through europe as a dancer and met this guy who owned a circus and they got married so they had a circus and i was like oh my god we have to travel with the circus (laughs) <laughs> that was that 21 awesome. years ago, That's, right? was great. And so for years, for years, I kept saying, Louise, we have to go with the circus. We have to travel with the circus. But then we had kids and it was like, when are we going to go to the circus? And one year I remember, I think I had just given birth to my second child and my cousin came to visit. And I said, you know, I had this dream of traveling with the circus, but now I have two kids. And when am I going to do it? And when will we have the money to do it? And my cousin said, well, it's like everything, you know, if you think that, when do you think you can go? I said, well, at least when this kid is five. And he said, okay, then plan backwards, right? How much money do you think you will need? How much money do you think you will need to save every year to make it to year five and have all the money that you need and all the time that you need. And that motivated me. So I started saving uh, for that five-year mark um, to go to Europe and travel with the circus. And, um, And we did. When my son was five, we did. And that experience, believe it or not, helped us um, or or equipped us with everything we needed for this experience with the coronavirus because we were traveling in a small motor home, the four of us, you know. Um, we would stop at night and grab groceries from wherever. We would pack everything in the morning and travel to the next city. Um, on our days off, we would travel to Sweden. We would travel to, you know... Um, Uh, other countries. And it was just such a great experience. We spent a whole month together eating when we could, eating stuff that we didn't know, talking to people we didn't know, sort of social distancing because we didn't speak the languages. And now when this experience of the COVID-19 was happening, the very first few days I said to the kids, this is going to be a long-term thing. You may not go back to school this semester. We're going to spend a lot of time together like we did when we went to the circus, except that we're not going to live in a circus. We are, we're going to be our own circus. We have to be kind to each other. We have to be considerate of each other. We have to survive this together. So, But having that experience of living in close quarters and you know, having a disrupted routine and stuff really helped us. Um, so this has not been as hard as I see it is for other families.
1: What an amazing story! I mean,
0: that was a very long, long, long explanation. Wow! Yeah. It was totally worth it, as I knew it would be. Wow!
1: You could do a whole episode just on that experience of traveling with a circus, going away with the circus. No, I, that it is was a fantastic
2: experience.
0: How old were your kids when you did that? They were they were pretty little, right?
2: Fausto was five. Fausto was five and Camila was eight. So they carried their own backpack, you know. <laughs> like that's one of the things yeah, I told them, wow. you have to pack what you think you can carry because I will not carry your load. It it was really it really prepared us for a lot of things, you know. Um you don't think a five year old is capable of walking miles a day with a backpack. They are. Um you don't think they're capable of, you know, Eating something they don't know—they are um, not by choice, obviously. But then when we came back, it—it it truly was a a very rewarding and a re- very rewarding experience.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that really is. <laughs> I I I, don't I haven't even heard to say that, to that story. That's, I love uh, it.
0: Thanks for debuting yeah, that story on I, I this love show. that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah,
1: that's, that's it's, wonderful.
2: It's uh, it really changed yeah. us. Right before we left, uh, for Europe, I remember that we, um, my daughter was eight and, you know, third grade is a little difficult. And I remember her having a birthday party at a friend's house. And this house was massive, you know, stairs and pools and elevators and just a massive house. Our house is not like that. (laughs) I need to tell your listeners, Shelly, our house is not like that. And when my daughter came home, she was like, oh my God, mom, are we poor And I said, we are blessed, we are very privileged, Uh, we have more than a lot of people, we have less than a lot of people, we're privileged. And she said, I just don't understand how we can't have a house like so-and-so's. Then we went, you know, on this trip with the circus, and when we came back, each of them were like, I have my own bed, (laughs) we have two
0: bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I love the circus story. And and one thing that occasioned the question was uh, the other day when we were in a meeting and you were saying, well, all the family is posted up here at the dining room table, including your husband doing his work and your kids doing their work. And that was at the point at which I said, oh, my goodness, that that's that's got to be tough when everybody is at the same place trying to get work done awesome uh,
2: four we have yeah. four chairs at our table and we have four computers at our table and everybody <laughs> is doing their work
1: I love that you
2: I mean, seem to be getting through it <laughs> it is a little disruptive at times but it, it it is efficient
1: sure and how old are the kids now
2: so my oldest is 12 and my youngest is nine okay yeah.
0: Wow. And they're pretty cool kids, I can say, because I've, I've met them. They seem like you've you've raised somewhat unflappable children. At least Camilla is. She. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they they so are. They're amazing children. I mean, we lucked out. My husband always says we don't deserve our children. I'm like, wait a minute. Speak for yourself. I've worked <laughs> for this.
1: <laughs> no, oh it, it takes great parents to uh, raise great children. I, so.
0: I agree with you, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, you were talking a while ago about some accessibility challenges of the I don't know if it, whether it was specific to working remotely or the tools that you're using, but can you can you expand about on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you bet. So we use Microsoft Teams for all of our meetings and presentations that, that we're involved with at work. And it's just interesting because some people don't have the bandwidth to stream video and yeah. others do. So, you know, there, a couple of us who are visually impaired on our team ha- commented that, wow, this is, this is kind of interesting. You are now working like we work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's been a, a really awesome learning experience for, for us, you know, as visually yeah. impaired people, as well as for other people to learn to make sure that that they're being more inclusive now at Microsoft, we talk a lot about this. The but the talk is cheap, right? <laughs> well, no, well, I would say that at it, it, Microsoft, it's it's definitely something that is ingrained in all of us. It, mm-hmm. It's accessibility is something that is key to everything that happens at Microsoft. You know, Satya Nadella is someone who really pushes that from the very top, cool. and it's 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 something that is that's absolutely uh, a requirement in our culture. Good. When I worked at Microsoft back in in the 90s, that was not the case. Wow. You know, this was, it's a much different place to work at now. Yeah. So when we're having meetings and people are presenting PowerPoint decks and things like that, it's interesting to hear people who normally can see perfectly fine and, and can look at things have to speak up to say, hey, what do you mean when you say, you know, look at this? Mm-hmm. I, I can't see what you're looking at. Right. So it's it's forcing people to think outside the box to make sure oh, that, that they're inclusive in everybody's work environment because not everybody has the same thing. And it makes me grin, really, because <laughs> it's awesome. It's making people really innovate and think about, how they can make sure that everyone is involved in what's happening. And I think that's going to help in the future yes. too. So for me, I think it's a wonderful thing. It's sometimes challenging. And, you know, we, of course, we all deal with the whole issues of, you know, people's audio not working or people's mics are too hot or they're too quiet. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's the typical you know, audio <laughs> scenarios that we all have to deal with when we're dealing with that kind of thing. So we, we've had all kinds of different things, um, you know, happening, and and having to learn about each other differently too. Mm-hmm. So we've played games um, remotely. <laughs> uh, we've we've done um, introduce yourself type of things where we'll put together PowerPoint slides about ourselves and our families, and then have to give you know one to two minute sort of Toastmaster uh, <laughs> type. Presentations. I don't know if any of you have been involved in Toastmasters, but I think of table topics mm-hmm. when you know uh, where you are given a minute to two minutes to speak on a topic, and that's been kind of cool to to hear how people describe themselves in a very quick thing, and then you're timed, and as soon as your two minutes are up, you're done. Yep. So it kind of forces people to think on their feet and it 's really neat I, I that part of working remotely, I think has been just an amazing experience, and it's a constantly evolving and learning opportunity for absolutely everyone and as we talked about it's a wonderful growth mindset at Microsoft so it's it's wonderful
2: Shelley, if I may, I wanted to say that um, just what Jeff is experiencing because Jeff, we cover the entire state of Texas, right. And so oh, wow. one of the things, yeah, our show is called The Texas Standard. And so one of the things that we're constantly, you know, dealing with is how come government is kind of either oblivious or like really um, indifferent to a lot of the needs that the state has. And one of those is when it comes to, for instance, um, broadband or when it comes to, you know, how many families have internet access in the state of Texas. And when you look at, you know, 30% of families do not have broadband or or things like that, right? When you say it, it's numbers, it's just numbers. But during this crisis and relating to the technology that you guys are just so, you know, that for you is like your first language. Um, one of the things that I think is a beautiful um, Think that is happening is that now you can tell lawmakers, look, none of the children are going to school. And guess how many don't have computers? None of the children are going to school. And guess how many don't have access to internet? Uh, none of the families are able to work their normal hours or their normal this or their normal that. And guess how many do not have any technology at home? And mm-hmm. now it's for real, right? It used to be something that people could not wrap their heads around. And now it's just, it's like the switch went on. And I love that part.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's going to change how we meet for conferences and, you know, major events. Uh, You know, Microsoft is uh, going to have our Ability Summit, which is where we have people across the company meet and we talk all about accessibility across the company and now that's moved to a virtual event. Wow. And we're seeing this happen with all kinds of events now. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's going to become the new norm. Mm-hmm. We're just, it's kind of interesting.
0: I know that people have talked for years about the live conference where people go across the country to meet each other being less of a thing than it used to be. I mean, those conferences obviously still exist, but the giant trade show kinds of conferences that happened way back when, don't. And it does feel like this is going to be a catalyst for some major changes in the way we meet. But the irony about that is the thing we're missing now as we're in isolation is that human contact. So even though there are more technological ways for us to do these things, assuming we have access, we're still craving that kind of contact. And I, I hope that what it does is make us appreciate that more once it's over.
1: Well, we have these conventions happening in the summer, Uh, you know, ACB and NFB have these conventions where thousands of people will come together and meet that are blind and visually impaired. And it's going to be interesting to see when each of these groups decide, you know, what their path will be if those conventions will happen or not because social distancing is not really a thing in that circle because (laughs) you're, you're going sighted guide and, you know, that elbow you just sneezed into, well, there would be a blind person holding on to that. Mm. You know, I mean, I hate to say that, but, you know, it, it's it's a true thing. So I don't know. It, it's uh, the world is definitely different. And I think that we're going to be in this for a while. Well, Jeff, yeah. I don't
0: know if you know, but I actually went to CSUN this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. I know uh, and,
0: yes. and so CSUN is the largest assistive technology conf- conference each year and uh, many big companies like Microsoft sponsor it and participate, and Jeff makes presentations But uh, among many. Uh, but the big companies were quick to pull out of CSUN, and in wow. fact they lost about 40% of their sessions before the event even happened. This was the week of March tenth and 10th through 12th, and there was a question as to whether it was going to be canceled. I almost feel like it was the last conference that actually happened. And there yeah. was a lot of discussion among attendees about – social distancing and how safely somebody could be a sighted guide or how how volunteers could assist people who needed to get from place to place. And, And there were challenges. And I think the people who organized that conference were really caught off guard in terms of just how much they needed to do. That was also a week, by the way, where things were literally changing on a daily basis. I, yes. I remember oh, the morning yes. I got there. Basis. Yes, I I I, I woke you. up yeah. to find out that we were in a pandemic. It was not a surprise, but that was the announcement that I woke up to as I was getting dressed to go and be in a room full of, a, a large room full of, pe- large, large numbers of people. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I wonder about the summer conventions. I it, To me, it feels like it's right for them to not quite make that decision yet. It feels like, we're going to learn a lot in the next, you know, six weeks to, to two months. But obviously, yeah. planning a huge convention is such a challenge because you have blocks of hotel rooms and travel arrangements and sponsorships and yeah. all those things. And
1: Well, and hotel contracts. Yes, I mean, of and, you know, those things have to be done months in advance as far as if you're going to make decisions like that. So it's it really becomes very challenging.
2: And economic models. I mean, when you look at the state Absolutely. of Texas, that we don't have a state – income tax, but we, you know, we support the state by, um, you know, with these large conventions, with these large, you know, South by Southwest uh, concerts and stuff that every dollar you spend is what supports the state because we don't have any other way of, well, you know, property taxes and that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is that it's a large part of the economic model of the state. And that will have to be, we will need to think about it again. You know, what do we do? I, I started reading this humongous book about Texas, and it opens with um, how the, the birth of the state fair, right? And it was to celebrate the centennial of Texas, and how we build like 40 buildings in less than a year to sort of accommodate all these different countries that were coming to visit us and to congratulate us. And and to look at that, how outdated that looks, I think we're going to look Th- not even 30 years from now, maybe 10 years from now, we're going to look at all our massive convention centers and think, oh, my God, do you remember when we used to gather in those places?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Austin has been talking about expanding their convention center. And, and it's like, wait, is that something we should be talking about? Yeah, like, about, right? do we need
2: it? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Or do we
0: expand broadband?
2: Because <laughs> that seems to be more right. necessary. Yeah.
0: So let me ask each of you what your, your personal take on the the kind of short-term future is. I guess what I'm asking is, okay, you've you've been doing the social isolation work at home for a little while. That's obviously going to continue on at least till the end probably of the school semester. That's one way to look at it. Maybe through the summer, maybe not. We don't know. But I, I guess I wonder how you're feeling, whether you're optimistic, whether you're hunkering down, whether you're uncertain. Where, where's your brain and your, your emotions at at this point?
2: Well, I'm very optimistic. I mean, I have two young children, so I have to be optimistic for my sake and for theirs. But I am—I um, have toned down my expectations by a lot. The other day, my daughter said, I am going to be the dumbest seventh grader that ever was. And I said, no, baby, you're going to be surrounded by the dumbest generation of seventh graders, but you're all going to be in the same boat. So don't worry about it. You know, my expectations have been toned down. I do not expect to homeschool my children to the quality of, or to the degree that their teachers would teach them. I do not expect to um, be the same worker that I've always been. Um, But I think that we will come out with a new vision of the future. And that gives me a lot of hope because I think even government will be changed by this. You know, expectations will be changed by this. The way we purchase will be changed by this. The way we plan will be changed by this. So I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful.
1: I'm very hopeful too. I do think this gives us an opportunity to try to, you know, be careful about Taking care of ourselves, and I think more emphasis will need to be placed on this as we move forward in the next month or two. You know, uh, so this could impact what happens in business and, and all of that. But the important thing is is to make sure that our inner circles are strong, and that's what's really key. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I think that technology companies like Microsoft and and Google and Apple and all the you know you know all of us really it gives all of us an opportunity to really think about how we can innovate as a society or continue to innovate as a society to be able to strengthen both education and the way that we do things in our lives to be able to better ourselves as a community and as a world. And I think from that perspective, I'm extremely excited about it. And I think if we all take up that opportunity and just think outside the box about how we can move the ball forward then i think we're going to come out of this you know roaring forward when all of this slows down and we get back to you know a sense of normalcy but i think even after the virus sort of dissipates there's going to be a period of time where things are still not normal as we yes. come out of this and so we just all need to think about that and just make sure that we are holding on to each other telling each other that we love each other and that we care about each other and that we care about those who we work with and that we show appreciation to one another because that's what's so important right now.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I really appreciate both of you because in addition to having worked with you in various capacities, both of you are friends that I really care about. And so I really appreciate your giving me some optimism, some hope. (laughs) That feels great. So here on Parallel, the last question is always a little whimsical. It's called One More Thing. And we we ask a question that's intended to be a little more lighthearted than maybe some of our content has been. And and my question for you is, tell me about something that you have watched, listened to, some entertainment that you've consumed in the past couple of weeks that's brought you some joy. Jeff?
1: Well, for me, it's been the new Star Trek Picard series. (laughs) I don't think that I've ever cried as much as I have and had so much joy in watching a TV show. Don't you spoil it. I I'm have. on episode
0: three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, just, just to see the characters come back to life on screen and to see Picard, even though he sounds very old. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. Um, it, it, it has just been something that I have very much enjoyed and I haven't finished it yet myself. So uh, I've only watched three episodes as well. and. I am loving it, absolutely loving it. And uh, so that has been my sort of pleasure thing that I've really, really very much enjoyed. In fact, I plan on watching a couple episodes this afternoon. There you go.
0: <laughs> so I've been following that up, Jeff. Each After each episode, I listen to uh, a podcast on The Incomparable called Falcon Hello where they recap the episodes, and if you go back the same number, oh, I don't even know about this. If you go, if you, go to, if you just search for Vulcan Hello, and they they cover a lot of Star Trek. But if you go back the number of episodes since the end of Picard, so I guess it's like the past thirteen, you'll get an episode recap for each one, and it's Jason Snell and Scott McNulty, and it's really good. Oh, it's not wonderful. too long. You'll like it.
1: <laughs> okay, that's awesome and i heard about the daily star trek podcast oh yes from accessibility well, of course you did. this morning <laughs> and so i subscribed to that and of course i had to binge about 4 episodes of that this morning <laughs> i had so- to
2: i love his his commitment
0: i had to do it
1: <laughs> yes, it was so awesome.
0: Well, well, Jeff is referring to the fact that I recommended that podcast on a show a couple of days ago, so uh, <laughs> so we had to. Podcast is a big circle. We all we all you know interact with one We're another. We're all one big the, family. Yeah. So, Joy, what what's some entertainment that you've consumed that's brought you joy, so to speak, in the past couple of weeks?
2: I'll tell you what, it's not so much the entertainment because I feel like I have less time for that now uh, because the kids are not going to sleep when they normally go to sleep. They're not as tired as they are normally because we have them overwhelmed with with after school activities. But I'll tell you what warms my heart these days is that... um, because they, we have to be together, you know, I told you at the beginning that I, I warned the kids, you may not go back to school this semester. We will spend a lot of time together. We must be pleasant to each other. That uh, every so often I hear one or the other child, you know, knock on the door of the other and say, hey, you want to play with me? And Aww. more than, you know, like nine, oh, times, awesome. nine times out of ten, the other one says, Yes. And, you know, or they read to each other. Oh, like they tear wow, me up. That's great. That's the yeah. Best. Or they, one of them plays the guitar and the other one plays the piano or they say, you know, you want to sing a song with me?
1: So, you should record some of that. <laughs> it, it's times like that. Seriously, it's times like that that are so precious. Yes. And and you're going to look back at this and you're going to say this was probably one of the best times oh, of our yeah. lives. You know that together. phrase,
2: the the worst times, it was the worst times and it was the best of times? And mm-hmm, I think this mm-hmm. is what it is. It's, it is is the worst of times and it is the best of times. Um, yeah. I was listening to an astronaut uh, giving us advice. I'm going to cut a piece for for us, for the radio show. And um, she was talking about, you know, what is important and how when they are in the International Space Center, there's, you know, a lot of what we're living now today, you know, um, you are in close quarters with some people, um, you have to like them because you work with them. And um, a mistake over there can be... (laughs) Terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> but one of the things that she said was, before we go into the International Space Station, we always make a list of the things that we're going to miss when we come back to Earth so that we really value them. And I think this is the time for us to also make a list of the things that we're going to miss of this quarantine, you know, because we will yeah. go back to normal and there will be the day when we say, oh, my God, remember that we used to... I don't know. Whatever yeah.
0: you're you're enjoying these days. That's a good idea. Yeah. So I hate mm-hmm. to follow that because I, I contribute to the one more thing myself and, and what I had queued up is I go down YouTube rabbit holes and I also love Broadway musicals. And I haven't really paid a lot of attention to Broadway musicals in a number of years, but through for reasons I can't even trace back, I went down some YouTube rabbit holes that I've been watching. A lot of videos uh, that feature Patti LuPone who was the original Evita and she's been in Gypsy and anything goes and she's just Very like nice. a Broadway legend and is tremendous and I love her uh, but I saw, I, I watched this playlist of her singing great Broadway songs but the one that amazed me appears to be a video of a radio appearance that she did on Sirius XM and they played a little game with her about lines from her famous shows but then at the end of it they give her – apparently she was going to be in The Music Man at some point, but she was going to do the, the main – the Robert Preston part, but she's female. And, but she, they were going to do it that way, which sounded really fun. And they asked her, hey, could you, could you do a little bit of that long rap in The Music Man? And the Music Man is, is a musical I don't even like. I really I just don't find it <laughs> compelling. But if you know the show, it's, there's this whole thing where Robert Preston in the movie goes, and we've got trouble right here in Little, little River City. And he goes on for about five, 10 minutes. And it's, it's a rap, really is what it is, even though it's a white guy in 1960. Mm. And Patty LaPone sits there. There's a guy accompanying her on the piano and she does the whole entire speech. Without notes, without script, anything. And, she, and it's just amazing. And it, was so, and it wow. just brought me so much joy. I'll put a I link in the it. show notes. But it was, it's just, just a tour de force. I and mean, she's sitting down. She's not really performing. She's talking to a guy with a microphone, just the way we are here. And it's a tour de force. It's tremendous. So, I love way. it, Shelley.
1: Wonderful.
0: Jeff Bishop, Joy Diaz, I want to thank you both so much for joining me on the show. Oh, it was a treat. Jeff, do you have anything you want Absolutely. to plug? What are, you, what are you doing on the internet these days other than working at home from Microsoft? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I'm a board member of uh, the American Council of the Blind, and so we've got a lot of things going on in that space. In fact, we've been doing a lot more things online. And uh, so, you know, t- take a look at acb.org or acbradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Bishop, or you can email me too at jeff at jeffbishop.com. So if I can help in any way, or people have any questions, I'm happy to help.
0: Joy, most of the time we can find you on Texas Standard. We hear your voice there a lot. Uh, any, any stories you've worked on recently that you want to tell people about? I can link to.
2: Well, I am. I think when we finish this, we will be able to connect to the uh, the doctor and the psychologist. Um, I am very intrigued by that. I'm also working on a story right now about people who are unauthorized Um immigration status-wise, unauthorized to work, but who continue to work, construction workers, gardeners. Um, In Texas, we have a law called SB4. And SB4 allows any law enforcement to ask for immigration status. And that very likely um, throws people into the uh, deportation path. Um, So I am working on a story for that. It's just, you know, all the, the different stories that paint a human picture in Texas that we work on. So texastandard.org is where we are. I am on Twitter, but I am terrible at Twitter.
0: <laughs> Joy's not good terrible at Twitter. At She's great in person and on the phone, apparently. <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather give up my cell phone number. <laughs> there you go. Well, and your phone is always ringing. I missed that in the office. Like you just yes. walk by and I tease Joy because she has a, a, uh, a Huawei phone and so I enjoy yes. taunting and teasing her about uh, constantly yes about about security, <laughs> potentially somebody listening in from far away. About far the Chinese listening to us. <laughs> anyway, but I digress. If you want to keep track of Parallel, we will be back with another episode in two weeks. You can also follow us on Twitter at Parallel Pods. Follow me personally at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. I'd love to hear your suggestions for topics for the show or guests. We are absolutely going to be back in two weeks with another great show. And you know how I know it, because I've already booked it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Joy and Jeff. Bye for now.